Hi, Jack. Hi. Hi, Rudolph. Hi, man. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, good, man. Sorry, it's uh, it's probably still quite still early your side, right? Yeah, we're two hours behind you, so we're 8.30 now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm basically, I've got two hours worth of oil on my hands already, so you've got <laughs> some uh, catching up to do. What, what have uh, you been doing? Oh, man. Um, for the last three weeks, I guess, it was probably the last two, three weeks, I've been having like a misfire on uh, the Series 3, and yeah, yeah. Um, I've been... Uh, you know, I've tried. I've I've tried everything uh, around the ignition system to try and uh, find the the issue, and it all boils down to the distributor every time. Uh, um, so I've been taking that out. You know, checking it. Uh, I've replaced the condenser. I've replaced the points. Yeah. And um, you know, and then a few days it'll go fine, and then it starts to misfire, and then you know, all of it out, out of the blue it'll just die on me. Yeah. So last night again, uh, you know, I left home, no issues, got to the shop, and then when I ran, wanted to restart, when I wanted to start it, it just didn't go. So uh, eventually, you know, after three hours of uh, having no tools on me, uh, I had a piece of uh, rubber and uh, and a, a Nora blade. Um, yeah. I managed to get it somewhat going, but uh, <laughs> not enough to get it back home. So now, yeah. Um, yeah. So now everything is out again. So I'm, uh, you know, starting from scratch and trying to uh, find the what the issue could be. Because um, on the points, um, there's a wire that keeps on getting very hot and it starts to melt. Um, yeah. So somewhere there's a short, I'm assuming. So I just need to kind of run through everything again and make sure you know I didn't maybe miss something. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I spoke to Daniel, um, he's from uh, Martopa and Sons in Indonesia, you know, oh. and I told him, you know, um, issue with the Land Rover is it's usually around weekend time, you know, a Land Rover will be running perfectly from Monday to Thursday. And then from yep. Thursday afternoon, you know, it will obviously realize weekend is approaching and, uh, and it just wants to it, sit and have a, sit and have yeah, a exactly. <laughs> so it'll make sure that you'll be under it for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then by Sunday night, miraculously, everything will just start to work again. Um, <laughs> so talking about Land Rovers, man, um, you've got quite an interesting one. Um, yeah. I'm assuming you've got an original, uh, Wolf. Yeah. Well, it's not actually a Wolf military Wolf <laughs> Land Rover. I, I named it that for a few different reasons. So yeah. I, I bought it as the hard top that it is, the 110 hard yeah. top. Uh, it was originally a 110 uh, single cab pickup truck. Okay. So it was with the Waterworks in the UK, which they were very popular in the 90s to have a, uh, a van or a uh, pickup uh, 110. So I bought it uh, with the van sides on, but it, um, it got restored about seven years ago into the van body by a company called D-Side 4x4 in Wales. Yeah. Uh, so they did the van sides. They put some slightly wider tyres on. Uh, but it, apart from that, it was a completely standard van when I bought it. Completely untouched interior, which I was happy about. Sure. The chassis was original, and the engine was on original, uh, original everything. So it's on two hundred eighteen thousand miles now, original. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And it's a ninety-eight model, right? It's a nineteen ninety-eight. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. One of the, it was on the last production line of the three hundred TDI engine, so it's cool to have one of the last. Uh... Yeah, for sure. And obviously, you know, the three three hundred TDI is obviously quite sought after, especially in South Africa. Yeah. Um, you is know, your, if you look at any, 
Is your hey? it's the two and a quarter petrol or is it the? Yeah, yeah, it's the the two and a quarter regional uh, the uh, uh, two and a quarter yeah. uh, petrol. Um, so we've got um, so I've got the two and a quarter the uh, the series three and my brother's got a two A. 2A, yeah. Uh, also quite original. Um, besides, obviously, he's got mud mud terrain uh, tires on it. Yeah. And then uh, my mum, she actually has the. Um, also, the um, 90 with the 2.8 BMW engine, yeah, um, which is was obviously because I mean you know in, in in the UK you guys had the Wolf um, Defenders and then the Australians they had their own version the Parenti, yeah, the Parenti, um, yeah. you know, and obviously we in in in, uh, in military terms we didn't have any of those, but obviously when BMW owned Land Rover you know in the 90s we had our own vehicle the the 2.8. So uh, yep. that's kind of our South African part of the heritage, I guess, to to Land Rover. Yeah. But um, but if you, if it was standard, uh, did did it in yours include the uh, side lockers? Because I mean that's one of the the key features of a Wolf, no? Yeah. Well, the, so the reason I called it well, there are a couple of reasons I call it Wolf. One was because yeah, it had a military sort of look. It had the side lockers. Mm. Uh, it had sort of black steel rims like the Wolf Land Rovers. And it was just very sort of utilitarian and sort of very simple. And I thought it was fitting. But also my dad's uh, got a 110 station wagon, which he has now completely restored with a galvanized yeah. chassis, new engine, new, pretty much the only original thing is the steering wheel. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's the beauty of these things, isn't it? Is the fact that, you know, uh, you can do so much with it, yet um, it, uh, you know, from from kilometers away you'll be able to identify it within a few seconds yeah um, exactly he's i mean he's on his third engine now and the actual land rover's on over four hundred thousand miles so it's yeah well he's yeah he's been he's been all over the world but yeah i I've, i haven't been any out of the uk yet but i'm planning to do the same but uh well uh fair enough i mean how long have you had your uh, landing now uh, i've had it uh just over a year so 29th of february i got it in 2020 so it's just over a year now yeah yeah okay so you kind of started lockdown with a project to be able to you know spend time underneath it i guess as well yeah I mean, it's, so uh... i mean i bought it sort of crazy cheap i i, I paid very low money for it for what it yeah. was uh so i knew that there were things that were, could go wrong and you know things have gone wrong and it has had to go to a garage but i've done you know over half the jobs myself and that's sort of yeah. why i justify getting a Land Rover because I knew that I'd want to do the jobs and I would you know be willing to because it's so simple and my my dad had so much experience with the 300 TDI and defenders in general so I you know I, I felt ready to be lying under it more than drive it I suppose <laughs> yeah for sure but I think it also helps you know because uh, uh same with me I I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a, a dad that also is quite mechanically and electrically inclined so yeah. it, it, it makes a lot of uh, a different it makes a big difference when you have someone like this to kind of just ease you into into yeah. things because uh you know uh i when i bought mine two years ago uh the uh, on the way back home from the very first trip which was maybe even not even a, maybe 100 kilometers from home uh, i blew a head gasket <laughs> and um you know, uh, without someone like this to uh, assist you, you know, and uh, that initial process of getting up to speed to uh, what you're actually dealing with when you when you open the bonnet, yeah. uh, it makes a big difference to you know to um, also give you a little bit of more confidence as well to you know eventually start figuring things out yourself because 
like you said, it's it's obviously the advantage of these old vehicles are the fact that you can make, you can quite you can fix them with you know a limited amount of knowledge and, and yeah. tools, but um, you know like again having someone to just kind of uh, kind of walk you through the the, the 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 beginning of this process makes things a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. Just I think the main thing is I mean I I wasn't massively familiar with the engine before I bought it, but I just sort of throwing yourself in and trying it, you know, the key is just not being scared, I think. And I just sort of go into it take a bolt off and put it back on where it was and you know where you are. And I suppose every component's so sort of easy to access, easy to see. I mean, it's, yeah, I think it's unlike, unlike many vehicles today. I mean, yeah, for sure. But uh, why did why why specifically did you uh, um, settle on a Defender? I mean, um, I'm assuming you know in your part of the world, uh, you've got quite an option when it comes to different Land Rovers, like the Discos or the even older older series. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I thought about Discovery ones a few years ago because they are just absolutely dirt cheap in the UK. You can find Discoveries yeah. for, you know two thousand pounds and they keep yeah. running fine and that you know that's so so cheap but i chose a defender mainly because my my dad and just my whole childhood i mean i've been in a land rover from birth so i yeah i the first time i drove one was when i was like five years old dad was yeah. in low range uh and he would jump out and then i would get into the driver's seat um but just experiencing them from birth, I suppose. Uh, and yeah, my, my dad got into them because of, uh, he used to live in Nigeria as a little boy. Mm-hmm. And he met a guy who had traveled solo across Africa from the UK in a completely standard series three. And he just thought, wow, like he, he was just amazed. He was a, you know, I think he might've been sort of six years old in Nigeria and he just saw it and thought, wow, you know, that's, that's something I, something I would love to do one day, and that sparked his love for Land Rover. And my dad, yeah, has had the biggest impact on my love for Land Rover for sure. Um, but that's also something interesting because uh, you know uh, I grew up with with my dad being a, a Toyota guy, and then my mother always uh, having had a, a Land Rover, and. Um, you know, so so in our driveway, you'll either find a Toyota or Land Rover and nothing else. You will never <laughs> ever in my life find me, you know, buying a Ford or a Mazda or yeah. uh, Mitsubishi or anything else. So it's interesting how you know um, how these things kind of tend to to boil down to to, uh, to the younger generations when you know the mother or the dad or the uncle or the brother or the grandfather, you know, had uh, something specific that kind of latched onto your personality. Um, and how you then kind of fall in love with that vehicle, and then you know carry that throughout your uh, your adult life. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you actually you did post a few pictures or uh, before of um, your trips. I think it was ten years or to go through Norway or um, uh, parts of Europe, yeah. right? But that was uh, with your your family. So yeah, I mean, I would say eighty or ninety percent of the trips we've ever done have been with the Land Rover. We very very rarely do a traditional holiday and fly instead of hotel. I mean, yeah. We're not really, yeah, we don't, we, we don't really do that. So yeah, we've, we, I've been to over 19 countries in the Land Rover. Um, uh, dad is 32 years old. So his is an 89. So no aircon, no anything really. <laughs> so it's pretty, pretty hairy going to 19 countries and 
I think Morocco was where I got pushed to the edge slightly. It got to about sort of 53 degrees. So yeah. <laughs> in the Land Rover must have been maybe 56 degrees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. But then also, you know, for you guys, it's, it's, it's uh, a lot more accessible to, you know, do uh, a bunch of countries in, a, in, a, in one trip. Yeah. I, mean, um, I mean, everything is pretty compact uh, up in Europe as we're, you know, down in Africa. We are, uh, you know, we've got the, the time and, um, and distance from um, countries. So yeah. Yeah. everyone, all the countries here tends to be quite big. So you've got so much space to explore in your own country before you need to, you know, move out to, to, to the bordering countries or, or beyond. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember I was, you know, doing the Euro Tunnel, which is, uh, yeah, you you go to France on the Euro Tunnel from the UK yeah. Uh, yeah. and it only takes half an hour uh, and then you're in France and, you know, you've got the whole of Europe. And, I, you know, we've had days where dads... He's a bit crazy when when he gets when he gets driving and he he's got a destination. He can, we've been through I think six countries in one day, five. Countries in one day. <laughs> you know, France, Belgium, Germany, Luxembourg, and just keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the, the definitely the advantage. But I'm I mean, you are based in the Devon area in the south, right? Yeah, yeah. So south of England. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, you you then kind of uh, you've got Dartmoor on the on the uh, southern part, and then um, the top one you've got another park. Uh, yeah, X. I think it's Exmoor. Exmoor. Yeah, my grand grandfather yeah. actually works with Exmoor National Park, and oh really? So yeah, I've got connections there. But yeah, Dartmoor is probably my favourite place to go and take some pictures and just have a drive. It's just yeah, it's just amazing. Hundred square so, hundred square miles. So it's it's pretty good. So with these two places uh, uh, and then any other 4x4 tracks, I mean, then obviously you should have a good uh, um, um, number of areas where you can, you know, or, or what you can use for um, like training grounds, I guess. Yeah, there, there are a couple of military tracks on Dartmoor which can get pretty, pretty gnarly, you know, they're, they're for testing yeah. the military yeah. vehicles. Um, but the the country lanes, just green laning in general, just the South Devon and Devon is really very good and there are apps you can get on your phone to explore sort of tracks people have logged on the app and things so it's it's yeah there there are a multitude of tracks to choose from and very one's very near to my front door you know a few miles away yeah yeah, yeah that, that's kind of you know where i stay everything is uh I've, we've got no well very little elevation so um and in south africa most of the beaches are you're banned from uh, beach driving yeah um, so you're very limited to where you can still find a little bit of sand to play in. Um, so for us, um, you know, or for me at least, uh, I need to, you know, the, the mountains are about an hour, hour and a half away. Yeah. And then only you can really find the, um, you know, the feeling of, um, of emptiness or, you know, where the cities and the people and everything is sitting way behind you and you've got yeah. the open road in front of you. I uh, I, I, so I guess I... no, no. I, I was just saying. I, I remember I made my Instagram account on the night of Feb, and you were one of the first accounts I looked at. And I just thought, well, I looked at some of your June driving and just drifting in the series, and I thought, oh, I, I was a little bit jealous sitting at home, <laughs> posting these sand dune videos. I've never taken my Lambda to the dunes before, but I definitely plan to one day. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a, we've got actually a really nice place uh, just outside Cape Town called uh, called uh, Atlantis Dunes, and it's it's a quite a big area where um, they've got a, a very nice collection of uh, like 
quite steep dunes. So that's usually where everyone with bigger engines and uh, uh, motorbikes and quad bikes, they usually go there for the day to go sandboarding and whatnot. Um, but the issue with me is obviously I still have the um, – I've got old Dunlop uh, 750-16s on the, on the series, only for aesthetic purposes. And these tires are actually, or, uh, they are horrible on sand. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I've had my fair share of digging out the, the series. Yeah. Uh, um, but, you know, I, I still prefer kind of the, the original look compared to, you know, throwing on something yeah. um, that doesn't really fit the... Uh, the looks of what it's supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, I, I really respect that. I, looking at your page, I, I sort of get a bit tired of Instagram and people, you know, having this tire competition, you know, oh, I'm going to fit 35s or oh, I'm going to fit 37s. And I just think, you know, over time, you're going to put more strain on the vehicle. That That isn't how it was designed, you know. 90% yeah, sure. of the time, you're not going to need these, you know, huge tires. And I just think if you choose your line off-roading and you, you, you practice and and you you just learn recovery techniques i think keeping it standard there's a lot of merit in you know no i definitely agree um you know i mean and obviously with especially with these older vehicles um you know for with with bigger tires it comes less uh, horsepower yeah. so uh, you know you need every bit of donkey power that you can find <laughs> uh, and or save rather yeah. you know to to help you out um but, um, you know, for me, and you actually mentioned a really interesting point is, um, you know, I know a lot of people, uh, my brother, including being one, uh, besides the Land Rover, he also has a, uh, Toyota yeah. FJ and, uh, Land Cruiser. And obviously, you know, these things are, it's, it's a four liter V6, so plenty of power and, um, you know, trying to keep up with any of these, uh, more modern vehicles are obviously impossible. And that's why. Um, you know, choosing a, a, a better line uh, and going much slower uh, is definitely, you know, something that I'm more interested in compared to just, you know, flooring the car and just trying to, you know, get to the top to, and, you know, have the, the, the sound of a V6 or V8 scream yeah. uh, uh, through everyone's ears. So, um, but then again, you know, um, it seems like on social media, as, uh, um, especially, it seems like people got numb to the idea of slow, controlled driving compared to, you know, just rushing and, you know, using whatever power you have to to get to the top or the bottom or wh whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah, completely. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's I, I don't know if you know um, Fall by Overland on YouTube, Andrew St. Pierre White. Uh, sounds but familiar. He's, he's basically the king of overlanding and just off-road technique. Uh, yeah. He he rebuilds his own Land Cruisers. He's a massive fan of Land Cruisers. Uh, but he did a video recently which was just emphasizing that, you know, stop using your diff locks is the title of the video if you want to go and watch it. I, I highly recommend watching mm. that on YouTube. Um, it's yeah. it's a video just emphasizing that people get to us to to maybe some undulation and they think i'll put the lockers on in case i get stuck but if you do that you're gonna you're never gonna learn because if you never get stuck you, you'll never learn if you put the lockers on you'll just put your foot down and you'll just get up the top it doesn't matter what you're faced with but if you leave yeah. them off you, you're gonna learn and i think that's that's a big part of off-roading and something i want to do more once this lockdown's over and just just enhance my off-road technique and yeah I, I think that's key 
Well, for sure. And I mean, obviously that, you know, to, to get that experience, you need to be out there. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I started, uh, when I, when I just bought this, the Landy, obviously I had to kind of try and find where the limit is to the, the vehicle's capabilities and my capabilities. And, um, and I've realized throughout the time, uh, because, you know, most of my camping, I do completely alone, one person uh, uh, trip. So, um, you know, for me, it's always kind of tricky um, in, the, in, in the event of getting stuck or breaking down. You know, I've only got whatever I have as experience and knowledge and key uh, tools, you know, to get me out of that uh, um, situation. And um, I've realized, you know, throughout this uh, uh, two years that many of my friends, especially guys who own brand new vehicles or, you know, uh, 2000 and uh, let's say 2010 and up vehicles, uh, much more modern. Um, that's that's exactly the fear that most guys have is they, they end up not using their four by four vehicles uh, off road for the fact is they're too afraid or too embarrassed to get stuck. It seems like getting stuck is this bad thing that, you know, shouldn't happen. It, um, and, you know, so many times um, I've, I've uploaded a video a few weeks or months ago from New Year's when I got stuck up far up the West Coast by myself without signal, without any help. And, you know, I was seriously bogged uh, in the sand and um, it took me a good few hours to get out of there. And eventually I burned out my starter um, from all the effort. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it, it seems like uh, anyway, so it seemed like, you know, there's this big uh, fear of getting stuck and learning your capabilities or, you know, and, and where the capabilities of the vehicle sit. And for me, the only way that I could, you know, uh, go past that uh, point was to go from two wheel drive and find a little dirt road or a little sandy patch or whatever. And then from two wheel drive, slowly get stuck. Yeah. And then from there, you, you know, you will, you will engage uh, a four by four and then you'll continue, continue forward until you get stuck. And then you will, uh, you know, select low range and you'll go forward until you get stuck. And then you'll deflate the tires and you go forward, you know, and, and if you get stuck at that point, you know, that would, I would say is kind of where your, your, your first limit would be because, you know, beyond that point, obviously, you know, you ha you still have momentum and speed that you can uh, utilize. Uh, but that's the kind of the sequence that I've used myself to kind of, you know, uh, test the, the, the grounds and move forward with uh, where I can go and not yeah. go. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I wanted to ask you, being a, a diesel man, uh, do you have any... Um, uh, like a, a management system, additional management system in the vehicle. So, did, do you mean electronics or? Yeah, yeah. Yes, so, yeah, like a Madman or Little Black Box. I so, don't know. Well, maybe there's different uh, brands. No, makes. no. So the 300 TDI, no ECU. That was that was one of the main reasons I went for a 300 TDI because so so many yeah. of the hard tops which I was looking at. I mean, I would say over 60% are TD5s, which are the five-cylinder yeah. diesel from Land Rover, which is. A f it's a far more tunable and far more uh, power capable engine, but the 300 yeah. TDI, just the simplicity that there's no ECU. It was so very common for the TD five cylinder head to crack because it was more powerful and it was higher revving uh, cylinder heads. There was a manifold, lots of them cracked uh, on low miles. Yeah. So 
Uh, the ECU as well just put me off with the TD5 because it can have oil leak on the ECU, which can damage it. And it, depending on where it's located for wading as well, uh, it's either located under the seat or on the bonnet. So, I mean, mm. it, the TD5 I still absolutely love. But uh, yeah, the 300 TDI has... I mean, you can run it without an alternator. You can run it without anything. It's it's as basic as you can buy, I think. Yeah. And, I mean, you know that with the Series 3, and my dad has had four Series 3s. So he had a two-and-a-quarter petrol, was his first ever Land Rover. It was a short wheelbase, uh, canvas tilt, 88-inch. Yeah. yeah, so... So, so what upgrades have you done uh, up till this point on the on the vehicle? Not necessarily, or, or, or more relating to uh, you know to make life because I'm assuming you you are slowly building it up as an overland vehicle and to how to make that life kind of easier living inside the vehicle. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I've I've mainly, to be honest, spent the money that I have had, the little money I've had to to spend on the Land Rover has been mechanicals. So. I went to visit my uh, brother-in-law and sister uh, up near London. So we went to Surrey off-roading, which is, uh, I, I also highly recommend. There, there are lots of woods in Surrey. Um, and we went off-roading for the day and it was, there was a sort of a, cl- a clunking from the rear. Uh, yeah. And I came to pull out onto a, a motorway near London uh, on the slip road uh, and I just lost drive completely. Uh, and it started grinding. So I, I put it in diff lock because I thought it was something to do with the drivetrain somewhere or, you know, a drive shaft. Yeah. And I got onto a patch of grass and I looked underneath and uh, realized that the it basically just had no drive. So one of the drive flanges had just completely shredded itself. So yeah. I had to... <laughs> I had to limp to a service station in low box, like first gear going about three miles an hour. But <laughs> I, fortunately we were AA covered. So I got back down to South, yeah, to Devon where we live. But um, yeah, so that in the end turned out to be, well, it was a dry flange, which was an easy fix, but the stub axle had ripped, ripped, it's sort of ripped apart inside the axle. And also we later found out my, uh, uh, transfer box had no oil in it so yeah <laughs> but so i've spent a lot of money on a new transfer box which is obviously essential um sure. when it comes to overlanding what i yeah I, I want to turn it into a comfortable one or two man camper i mean i've got a sort of very simple bed platform made out of uh some uh, uh some inflatable boat platform my neighbor actually uh, it's crazy it looks like it's made for it it fits across <laughs> it fits across the the two benches and I just put the, the boat platform in and it's made out of uh, aluminium and it supports yeah. my weight. I've done two test nights in there and it's been perfect and just means I can fit loads of bags underneath the uh, floor and it's just somewhere to, yeah, it's a perfect bed platform. But I want to do um, insulation and soundproofing just because I've had one night where it's like minus two and the yeah. metal tin sides of the van, uh, it just, yeah, it just is very cold it's probably just as cold as outside so i think i think insulating uh, for 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 sleeping in the back is key i mean uh, i like the security and the ease of uh, sleeping in the back i mean we've done tents with i've slept in a tent all the countries we've been to around the world and being in a tent in morocco is 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 too hot (laughs) 
and in being in a tent in Iceland, I get you know, yeah, so I just think sorting out the back to make it a comfortable ventilated and heat or and or heated camper for around the world that's what i plan to do and yeah i think just making it comfortable a diesel heater is a something one of the only additions i, I want to make for the inside really for sure uh, there was actually uh there's a guy i'm following he's got a um i think he's got a range rover it's um a german guy i think that Instagram is only a road trip away. So he's got a really nice uh, setup uh, with a um, with a heating system, uh, a diesel heating system. I, um, I can't remember exactly how it's plumbed into the, uh, to the vehicle. Seen, but I've it seen was that quite... actually, yeah. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, he, uh, his photos and he's, and I mean, obviously he's moving more now to the, to the Porsche project, but yeah. Uh, it, um, you know, um, he also, uh, his videos and photos also, um, is quite, um, uh, encouraging for, for me. Cause I mean, it was his videos that's, that inspired me to, to want to go to, uh, uh to Norway, drive all the way up to Norway, um, uh, with that one trip that they did up to the forwards or something. Um, so, uh, but I, at this point, I'm, I'm, I saw a picture of you, uh, I, I can't remember when it was, where you were kind of um, opening or busy making food or something from the back of the, the landy. Yeah. And it seems like you are also kitchen sinking like me at this stage. Literally everything just gets pushed into the back and the door gets closed. And then, you know, you that, that's, what, that's what we've done for, yeah. <laughs> since I was born, for, for 20 years, we pack a lot of kit bags, the North Face and Mountain Equipment. We're a big fan of their gear, just really solid. It's, we yeah, just sure. we just we just bung it in the back basically yeah and we've got that table and keep the coleman stove just by the back door and then it we catch it when it falls out <laughs> and then we we can start cooking on the For back sure. door which is it's really good yeah it's a great system yeah, but that's all. I mean, that is all kind of part of it, you know. I mean, uh, for you, you've got the advantage of a, of a quite a big uh, or uh, a long roof. So, I mean, your roof rack, you can probably fit, uh, you know, twice the amount. You could probably fit whatever I have in my land here just on your roof yeah. rack. Yeah, um, no, it is good. Dad has a round church uh, roof tent, which is, which is a, a nice thing to have. But obviously, if I'm sleeping in the back, I, I, I'll probably have to start transporting some bags on the roof if I, I do overlanding because. I, I yeah. don't. I, yeah, I, I want to keep sleeping in the back, but the storage is is less if you're sleeping there. I think I don't. I don't like to keep and uh, so rooftops are, are not on the cards. For well, you. I, I, maybe one day. It's just I think it's a combination of the cost and having that much weight on the roof. I mean, roof racks yeah, yeah. are only designed for about a maximum of fifty kilograms, sixty kilograms, and a roof tent yeah. from Front Runner or ARB is. You know, o over a hundred kilograms uh, easily, yeah. I would say. And I think just for for handling and just strain and keeping the center of gravity low. I think for overlanding, just it's uh, people who put, you know have six jerry cans on the roof. I mean, it looks yeah. really cool, and you know, camel trophy and everything. Just very, it looks <laughs> looks very iconic. But I think just yeah, yeah, I think keeping it standard and keeping everything low is there's a lot of merit in that. I think yeah. Yeah, well, for, I mean, you know, uh, I think I think the newer these hard shell um, uh, rooftops or something like forty to sixty kilos, but then obviously, you know, you need to add the the the, the guys sleeping inside. You need to add the the, the cans on the the yeah. jerry cans, the bags, whatever. So then, in any way, you are well well over the um, 
limit of the roof rack. And obviously, you know, that disadvantage, I would say, for countries like where you are based is, you know, uh, I think uh, they're enforcing law on these type of things uh, a lot more than places like South Africa, for example, where, you know, um, it, it just seems like when you guys need to go for your MOTs or whatever, they literally, they will find anything, they'll try to find anything that's out of place to, you know, fail a vehicle or whatever the case may be. As we're here, you know, my car is registered without seatbelts, for yeah. example. Um, and then, you know, we can basically almost load whatever we want on the roof. It doesn't really matter. So, I mean, there's a lot of advantages, I guess, to, to you know, living like that. But also, obviously, the, the functional uh, functionality of, you know, having a rooftop versus, you know, what you're doing uh, when you go traveling or where you go, rather, when you go traveling, obviously, you know, um, would dictate if you, you know, end up sleeping in a tent or on the roof exactly. or in the back yeah. or whatever my, the case um, may be. My brother-in-law and sister plan to go to Mongolia and uh, they've got a 110 uh, 1997 station wagon, um, 300 yeah. TDI, and they're sort of completely kitting it out with dual battery, you know, doing lighting, but they also want to create a bed platform that take their two middle seats out of the station wagon, create a bed platform mm. because if they're in, you know, s- storms or particularly, uh, you know, windy conditions, stormy conditions, that being in a roof tent, a fabric roof tent is, is I've done it before and it kind of feels quite scary and you, you don't want to yeah. damage the fabric if you're away for five months and you rip your tent in a storm. Having the option to, you know, if you need to sleep in the back, but also having a roof tent is it, it's lovely. You know, just having a platform and being isolated and above the ground does feel safe. Uh, I like that aspect, but sure. I, I think having the option to sleep inside is always good. Yeah. No, for sure, definitely. Um, and then, uh, do you have if you've got any plans now for whenever you know everything uh, settles down? Um, uh, yeah. Seeing that you're moving in a direction of um, you know overlanding. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the first thing I want to do before I I do my big trip or my my few big overlanding trips is save money. Obviously, I'm I'm at university. At the moment, I've only got a yeah. few months left, but once I, I need, so I want to find a job as soon as I can and start earning money to to fund the trip and just do the Land Rover up because it's still got a lot of issues, you know. The engine will yeah. need replacing not in, you know, not not too long, long from now, I think. Um, yeah. But I think the first thing I do would be, you know, a test, sort of a test trip to Scotland, something like that. I, it's very, very popular to go to Scotland in the UK. Um, some of the scenery is just amazing. The NC500 as well. Really, really cool uh, coastal road and uh, mountain road in Scotland, which I that, that's what I would want to do. Um, just yeah. sort of not go crazy for the first trip. Do a test trip, which would be... Uh, sort of picking out faults and uh, niggles and what 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 would I need for a much sure. longer distance trip and just learning the vehicle I think would be it's, it's quite key before you set off for a trip that's you know half a year a year um, but I mean after that my dream has always been the Pan American Highway doing um, yeah just Bolivia I've, I've always loved Top Gear I don't know if you watch the UK Top <laughs> yeah for sure yeah i, I sort of <laughs> been obsessed with bolivia and they did the that yeah drove through the amazon and did that, that special and it just was it was amazing and uh, yeah uh, yeah i think it's thirty thousand miles i think a, a total the the whole thing and i think doing that would be 
I, I wouldn't do it alone. I think I would probably go with uh, my parents in their 110 and then my brother and sister yeah. in their 110. So it'd be three vehicles. I think yeah. I think solo travel on something like that would be yeah, quite a risk. But yeah. Well, you know, just to uh, my my ex girlfriend actually, um, she flew. For, she's she she was she is Israeli, and she actually flew to uh, Chile uh, with the dog, and then she bought a Suzuki van. Uh, I think she took two or three months to rig out and build out a bed and uh, a little um, kitchen area and whatever, and then she drove uh, from Chile all the way down. Uh, to the south uh, I think she wanted to be in the south for winter and then back through Argentina back through all the way up to Colombia yeah. again uh, it was like a year whatever and she did it by uh, I mean woman alone with the dog which was um, you know again I'm with you I would probably not want to do it alone um, but I guess you know there's there's people out there that uh, has a stronger will uh, than than I have, you know, so um, I'll forever take my hat off for her and her journey and um, adventures. Yeah, yeah I think um, um, I, I think something like a long range fuel tank, uh, having a fridge, having uh, all the recovery gear, having a, just a perfectly mechanically sound vehicle. I, I wouldn't do it if I didn't have those things, I think, uh, just being in remote areas and not having the tools or not having the support, I think. Yeah, I don't know how far I would go before I would, you know, want to have company, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I, I guess it also depends on your comfort levels. I've seen, you know, guys that does uh, that does solo trips uh, through Africa and then they get to somewhere like, um, you know, a Sudan or somewhere in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And then, you know, the, the gearbox uh, yeah. packs up or... You know, the the engine goes and, you know, to see, sometimes you see these, you know, uh, people, you know, take out the engine. They've got literally like, you know, five people lifting the engine out of yeah. the engine bay and you've got 10 people working on the engine. I mean, that would give yeah. me nightmares, you know, if, if that was my vehicle stuck in the middle of nowhere, uh, you know, not understanding the language and uh, not understanding, you know, if there's parts available, if there's a way to, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, source parts from somewhere. And no idea how long I'm going to get stuck there. So whenever I watch these guys, again, you know, yeah. I take my hat off for those guys because um, that's also not really I my think, cup of tea. Yeah, um, I think the, the whole overlanding scene, I think the whole climate's changing. I think it's, I, I'm a big fan of Grizzly and Bear Overland on YouTube. And, uh, they, yeah, yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're, they're great. Um, just, I think, you know, being able to order parts globally and in far more remote regions than you could i think nowadays just accessibility of particularly basic land rover parts that's another reason i went for the 300 tdi mm. is it's it's the most widely accessible engine you, you can be in the middle of africa and it's likely somebody will have an alternator because it was it's what yeah. they run it, it doesn't you know it, they're the most basic defender engine you can get and i think but I also think you can take more of a risk nowadays than you could because just I just think part accessibility and just online, the whole online community with forums who uh, can help you out and give you advice. And I think you can get yourself yeah. out of trouble more easily nowadays with the connectivity uh, that you have. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But again, I think also, you know, uh, to, to undergo such a trip, obviously you'll have to have, uh, uh, you know, some confidence in, in not only your vehicle, but in your, in your yeah. own knowledge. Um, 
Um, but then again, like we said right in the beginning, you know, uh, that's the beauty of these things. Uh, the fact that you, you, you have, you only need a limited amount of spares and tools or knowledge to be able to fix them. I mean, now, uh, four days ago, uh, when I, when I got, uh, stuck next to the road, I managed to, to drive the vehicle home by fixing a melted part yeah, with a piece yeah. of paper. I mean, you know, how many cars can you fix with a piece of paper, <laughs> you know, and get back home? So uh, that is obviously or definitely the advantage of these things. But uh, I think, you know, what you have, uh, obviously, you've got a beautiful canvas, obviously, to work from when it comes yeah, to overlanding. I, I so, I would um, just, you know, choose it and choose something that was fairly unfettled and keep it simple. I think, you know, the, the, the joy of overlanding, the joy of, of, of four by four travelers and is building it. You know, we all love building our vehicles up and making every single decision ourselves and choosing what we want from the vehicle. Yeah. And I think for me, yeah, that was, that was a huge part of it. I've watched my dad build his exactly how he wants, you know, he bought his pretty standard and now there's nothing standard on it. And it's, it's, it's such an incredible overlanding rig. It's, it, it's, it's inspiration sort of every time I walk out, I think, Oh, mine's a little bit ropey, but I've got this, I've got this canvas that I can sort of base mine upon, I suppose. And uh, yeah, just yeah, a blank exactly. canvas, like like you say, I think is is a very cool thing. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and you know, if if you think long term, uh, that the other beauty that you know people don't really talk about too much is you know, defenders are also an investment to a degree. So um, yeah. You know, uh, I think um, you know with with time um, passing, um, you know, it's it's one of the vehicles that you'll probably get either the, your money back or you know you can eventually sell it with a little bit of profit. Yeah. So uh, that's also something nice to keep in mind, even though you know because sometimes uh, you know guys have more than one, and one will be left in the garage, and that's kind yeah, of the Sunday I mean, vehicle. My dad bought um, his in how was it? late late 90s he bought his uh so it's an 89 he bought it in late 90s and he paid six and a half thousand pounds for reference uh and he's restored it he's spent a lot of money on it and he spent a lot of time on it but it's you know it 20 years later it's now worth over thirty thousand. you know yeah exactly and you know and and um obviously you know that landing group part of him so or it's kind of you know part of who your yeah. dad is, and the uh, and your dad is you know a part of the landy. So I miss. I guess that's also why um, you know, especially where I stay as well. You know, guys buy these things, uh, these vehicles, and you almost need to. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter how yeah. much money you throw at them. Uh, most of these guys are unwilling to 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 get rid of them again. So yeah. um, it's definitely a vehicle that is bought, uh, you know, not because of the capabilities, but because of the lifestyle it represents and the memories it brings whenever you get into the vehicle. That's what I always tell people, you know, when we were a kid, um, my mom, she had a, uh, like a yellow series three. And, um, whenever you get into a Land Rover, it doesn't matter if it's a Monday a Wednesday a Thursday or a Sunday, it always feels like Saturday yeah, inside the Land Rover, true, yeah. you know, um, yeah, so that's that's what I love about it. Uh, you know, the world can be burning and falling apart, but as soon as you get in a landy, yeah. it's like it almost feels like you're about to go on an adventure uh, yeah, or somewhere. So it, um, yeah, for me, I, I just I can't I can't really put it into words. It's sort of indescribable the feeling, and I I, I think you know Toyota and uh, uh, Nissan and these other four by fours. I think you you can be attached to them and absolutely love them as a machine, but. I, I just feel that the heart and the soul of a Land Rover, I've grown up with one since I was born. 
the first time I got into mine a year ago, uh, I did that drive and I just started crying because it had been, you know, 15 years of me waiting to be behind the driver's seat of my own. Sure. And I think the emotion sure. behind them is just it's so deep. It's so deep rooted for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's for, I think you speak for probably all the Land Rover owners out there. Um, you know, it's something that's, Way deeper than just yeah. the key in your pocket. Um, so, um, but listen, Jack, uh, thanks so much for, for talking. Uh, it was really nice uh, actually getting to know you and uh, getting to know the vehicle. Um, I'm sure along the way, especially after your uh, trips or your first trip at least, we'll definitely catch up again and then um, see how you yeah, and the Wolf yeah, is I doing. Know. It's been so, so good talking to you, Rudolph. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'll give, I'll, I'd love to give updates on the jobs I do and the places I go. I'd love to speak again once, once I've, uh, I've explored a bit more. Yeah. yeah. For, for sure, definitely. And for anyone else who wants to follow him, you are Wolf uh, the 110 on Instagram. You, you don't uh, have a I YouTube have channel, yeah. I have been asked to make one by lots of people, and uh, they think it would be a good idea, yeah. but not yet. Yeah, so it's Wolf the 110 on Instagram. Well, yeah. it's in the works. Wolf at uh, the 110 on Instagram. Yeah. Perfect, man. Cheers. Thanks so much, and have a good weekend. Thank you. Thanks so much. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, Jack.